Well, I am honored to be here this morning. Um, as Pastor Freddie said, my wife and I, he's a lot older than I am. He was one year ahead of me in Bible college. <laughs> and uh, his wife was in my class, I believe. And so we've known each other for 30 years. And, you know, I, I won't take up too much time just bragging on your pastor, but as a first-year student, he was the one that, he doesn't even know this, but that I looked up to the most. He just, he just always had that integrity and just a, just a good, good man, him and his wife. And so we do appreciate you. We've kind of lost touch over the, over the past few years. I've been available to speak over the past few months, and it's, it's, it's all God that brought us here. Um, I sent him a message just saying I'm available if you need anyone, and, and then through correspondence back and forth, he, we come up with June 11th, which was, what, a couple months ago. Yeah. And then my wife and I have an interview um, in Massachusetts tomorrow wow. morning, which was only scheduled two weeks ago. And that was all, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those things where they asked when we were available. It was, this is when the time slot is, we want you to be here. And we are still living in Sussex, New Brunswick. It was just, God, it was just ordained of the Lord. Yeah. And then coming this morning, wow, that, that's some amazing worship. I, I don't know if you know how blessed you are. I know that we're blessed at the church we're at. Uh, over, over in Sussex, we're leaving, but there's not many churches that I can go and belt out worship as loud as I want and not be annoying and, and out of place. And this is one of those places where I feel like I can worship and, and you're loud enough so that I'm not sticking out like a sore thumb. So I appreciate that. And just wonderful worship. We have five kids. I'll introduce myself, uh, give you a little bit of the background of our family. We have five children, the oldest 20 years old, the youngest is 10. And our 20-year-old's going into, he just finished his second year of university. Uh, our second child's 19, and she's just finished her first year of university. Our third child is 17, just did two years in one, and heading over to Faith Bible College in Maine this fall. Wow. She's excited about that opportunity. Awesome. Uh, number four is 15 years old. He'll turn 16 in August and just finished his sophomore year of high school. And then our baby is only 10. She's still our baby. And just recently, the kids were reading the Bible, and, and they come across the story of Joseph. And they said that Karis reminds them of Joseph because she's obviously the favorite of the family. And they're, they're not, so we nicknamed her Josephine. That's her new name now, not Karis. And so my wife and I just bought her a coat of many colors, a hoodie, tie-dyed, and had a good time with that, went to Nashville. And, and uh, she is just the... Our little 10-year-old is just the picture of perfection, seriously. She just is a little angel. All of our kids are serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, on fire for Jesus. Awesome. We couldn't ask for anything more. It's, God has blessed us in such a way to be in ministry for 25 years now. Uh, all of our ministry has been in Canada. I feel like the Lord's calling us back to the States. We were both born in Maine and um, heading probably somewhere in your area, Massachusetts, southern New England, somewhere and feel like God's prompting us in that, that direction. So we're excited about a new chapter. We, don't, we have a U-Haul book for July 6th and have no idea where we're going. And so we're doing a modern-day Abraham, and we don't have the camel and the donkeys, but we got the U-Haul packed up, yes. and we're just yes. excited to see what, what God has in store for us. Amen. And I'm excited for what God has in store for you. So I, I believe God's given me a message this morning specifically for you today. 
and for us as a church, and I just, God's going to do great things. He is doing great things. What a wonderful presence of the Lord we feel in this house. It's, it's just something that I never take for granted. And when I feel uh, this kind of level of anointing and, and power and praise, and it just, it excites me, and it just reminded me that I, that the Lord, that I was in tune, because sometimes I'm not, that I was in tune and heard the right message this morning. So if you turn to the book of Joel chapter 2, it's a, if you're a spirit-filled believer, you probably have heard of Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. Um, it's the, the prophecy that Joel gives, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and young men dreaming, and old, I don't know which one it is, old men dream or vision, or young men dream or vision, or however that goes, it's in the Bible, you can read it yourself. But before getting into Joel chapter 2, I believe that God has given us a prophetic word in Joel chapter 2 that doesn't just pertain in verses 28 through 29. I think as Pentecostals, we, um, we get accustomed to just quoting verses 28 through 29. But if we back up, I want to back up to verse 25. And I just believe with all my heart that this is a prophetic word for today. And not just 28 and 29, but 25 through 29. And we're going to start with verse 25. Let's pray before we do. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you, Jesus, for your anointing, for your presence that is in this place. And we want more. That's what the song's already said. We want more. We're not satisfied with what we have. Although we got great anointing and great worship and great praise, we just, we just want more. So, Lord, I ask you today that you would birth a stirring inside us to desire and want more of your presence and more of you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Yeah, I don't even have to ask for a second time. See, you're just ready to go. So in the book of Joel, we find a prophetic word, and I believe it still pertains to us today. So verse 25 says this, I will compensate. What does compensate mean? Compensation means pay or give you back or payment. So... God's saying through the prophet Joel, I will give you back or I will pay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. Verse 26 says, you will have plenty to eat and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. And you shall know, what does no mean? Without a doubt means absolutely no. This is what Joel's speaking to, the, to Israel at the time, which we have been grafted in, we have been adopted in, and is speaking to us, I believe, even this morning. You shall know that I, without any doubt, that I am in the midst of you, or Israel, it says, to protect and bless you, and, I, and, I, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people will never be put to shame. You know, as I was reading the scripture in Joel chapter 2, I was reminded of several things that we have lost. Now, I know in New Hampshire and New Brunswick, um, the locusts hasn't come and eaten our crops, although there's been famines and throughout the land, throughout North America, throughout the world. But I don't believe that's what this is speaking of here. I know we haven't really had locusts come and destroy our crops, but we've been stripped of a lot of things. And when reading this scripture, I felt a few things stir in my spirit. And those things I want to share with you today. The first thing I felt stirring in my spirit is our days of frustration are over. How many has been frustrated the past few years? 
at some point. You might not be now, but at some point you can look over the last three years and you can see that you have been at some point frustrated. As I was praying about this Sunday, I was reminded of, her, of, of words that I heard months ago at Calvary in Sussex. And it was last year we had an evangelist come. His name is Bill Prankard. He, he preaches conventions in the same circles as Kenneth Copeland and, and just did one with... Um, with uh, Benny Hinn and, and people of that, he's along the lines on Parliament Hill, the government, and he came to our church and preached a Saturday and Sunday, and he said these words on a Saturday night as he ended, and it struck our spirit, and you know, have you ever heard that kind of word that just penetrates you, that just gets you? He said these words, and I, I looked it up just to make sure, because I wrote it down back a year ago. He said these words, your days of frustration are over, you are walking into a new season. I believe that for Crosspoint this morning, that your days, I'm sure you've lived in frustration some, and even Pastor Freddie has mentioned some, uh, struggling with sickness, struggling with different areas of our life. We've lived in frustration from times, but at that moment, since that moment, I took those words for myself, and I know it's not just for me, it's also for you here this morning. We've all been frustrated for literally years. We've been frustrated with masks, with vaccines, with uh, the split amongst the church. It's, not, it's people one side, the other side, um, funeral, missing family. I, I live four hours from my family and across the border from Canada was not allowed to go for over two years, not allowed to travel back. Talk about frustration. You've experienced those same things. We've been frustrated. We have there and probably here funeral limitations, wedding limitations. We don't want to creep up the past, but all kinds of frustrations. I know my mom passed away last February, and we went to the hospital day after day, and the frustration of the hospital rules that change every single day. One person says one thing, one person says another thing, and it's just like, I know I don't have much hair left, but I want to pull it out and... And I had to remind myself several times during that span just a few months ago that my days of frustration are over. That i got to give this to Jesus because they're over. It stuck with me so bad. So that, that frustration's over pretty much. We've pretty much climbed over that path. But still there's things that frustrate us. The cost of gas. Right. That's frustrating. You think it's bad here. Three fifty dollars a gallon, I think. In Canada, we're paying between six fifty dollars and $7 a gallon for gas. To think you try filling up your little Honda Civic and it's costing between $60 and $70 to fill up your little 10-gallon tank. Talk about frustration. The cost of groceries, the cost of housing, rentals, building supplies. If you want to build, it's, it's frustrating. This is a frustrating time to be alive. It's a frustrating time. And I realize all this. But at that moment, that Saturday night a year ago, felt the Lord drop into my spirit that your days of frustration are over. And I've lived, my family and I, we've lived, yes, we have days of frustration, and yes, there's irritation there. But we have gotten, we got to a point where it was almost crowding in on us, and we finally got to the point where God yeah. delivered us and set us free from that frustration. And so I realized all this, but at that moment, the Lord spoke into my spirit and reassured me that our days of frustration are over. But there's always a big but in the way of the promise, isn't there? Always. There's always conditions to a promise. But Joel says, you will have plenty to eat and you'll be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord 
your God. By this morning service, I think you got the praise aspect down. But as you praise him, your frustration dissipates. You can't have a praise on your lips and frustration at the same time. If you focus on praise, frustration dissipates. So in other words, as we praise him, our frustration decreases and our peace increases. But as we worship and praise him, we automatically stop focusing on the badness of the world. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's my word and I like it. We automatically stop focusing on the badness of the world and start focusing on the goodness of God. The Apostle Paul said it this way, and it's a well-known portion in Philippians 4, verse 8. He says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise. The Apostle Paul tells this to the church back then because they had kind of the same frustrations where Rome is trying to take over. And Paul says, if you can just learn that if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually. How often? continually on these things. Center, the Amplified Bible says it this way, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Focus on them so much that it literally gets implanted in you, that your mind gets consumed with the things of God, that your mind gets consumed with what is lovely and what is honorable and what is of a good report. For our frustration days to be over, we've got to stop focusing on cost of gas. It's a reality, yes. All those things, inflation, and all those things that are rising through the roof. Is it a reality? Absolutely. But still we serve a God that is not affected by inflation. We serve a God that's not affected by housing costs. We serve a God that's not affected by all of those things. It's time that we shut off the news at night and begin to get our mind on the word of God and focus on him. I want you to say this with me. Our days of frustration are over. Can you say it as loud as you can? Our days of frustration are over. And I think we need to make a declaration this morning and begin to say those words, our days, and even if you don't believe it, begin to speak it until something rises on the inside of you. Our days of frustration are over. They're complete. You, you You can begin to, it is time of restoration. We've lost enough. We've given up enough. We've given up enough rights. We've given up enough things. We've given up our peace long enough. We've, we've allowed the enemy to have his way in our lives for long enough. It's time. It is begin, time to realize that enough is enough. Have you ever got to that point? Enough. My wife and I have gotten to the point where we simply are saying, you know what? It is time to say and believe that enough is enough. Satan, we serve you notice at cross point. We serve you notice. Get out of our family. Get out of our finances. Get out of our health. Get out of our bodies. Get out of our minds. Get out of our marriage. Get out of our heads and begin to speak with confidence right now, starting today. My days of frustration are completely over. I'm done with it, and I'm going to start trusting him more today than I ever have before. Thank you, God. 
We refuse. We need to start refusing to allow the enemy in our families and allow fear and anxiety in any longer. We refuse to allow those thoughts of worthlessness that keep attacking our heads and begin to say, I serve a God that's bigger than all those things. Our days of frustration are over. Enough is enough. That's the first thing that stirred in my spirit when I read Joel chapter 2, the first part of it. Our days of frustration are over. The second part comes with verses 28 through 29. And I don't know, well, I do know where it came from. It came from the Lord. And really believe that he dropped in my spirit about a year ago that a tsunami is coming. I'm not talking about a physical tsunami. So don't leave church and say, yep, we're waiting in wells. They live on the ocean. Good to have my wife's aunt and uncle with us. And I'm not talking about physical tsunami. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But a tsunami is coming, so bear with me. Let's, let's continue reading Joel chapter 2. It says we've lost a lot of things we've done, but we're going to praise the name of our Lord. Verse 28, Joel says this. Then after doing all those things, verses 25 through 27, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men, and women alike. I want you to notice a few words in the scripture that you probably know before. But it says, I will pour out my spirit upon every single person. Now keep in mind, the culture, the... uh, the day that Joel was living in, the spirit was only offered to kings, priests, and judges. That's it. It wasn't offered to every person. Not every person had access like we have it now. Right. So back in the day he's living, he's given this prophetic word that the spirit is going to yeah. come on. Now that's all they knew is that the spirit came upon priests sure. and judges and, and prophets. That's it. There were right. No common people. He even specified servants yeah. from the lowest classification to the highest. My spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Now, the Bible's truly amazing. It's amazing how it works and how it was written and the time span between beginning and end and and all the prophecies in between. It proves itself. It's such an amazing book. Joel prophesied this prophecy at around 820 B.C. So it's 820 years before Jesus ever comes on the scene. Joel prophesies that the spirit's going to come and it's going to fill every person. So now, fast forward 800 years. Jesus dies, rises again, ascends up into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. He says, I'm going to pour you out another of the same kind, another like me, the comforter. I'm going to give you the spirit. And I want you, he instructs uh, Peter to go and the disciples to go into the upper room. And I want you to wait for this promise. I want you to wait until it comes. So they go in the upper room. You're probably familiar with the story. Maybe you're not. And I'm glad you're not if you're not. And if you are, then hopefully you'll be reminded this morning. Yeah. They go in the upper room. They're, God speaking to Joel tell, back 820 years ago tells him that this day is coming. This day has finally come with the Spirit. They didn't know what to expect. They right. gather in the upper room. Right. They're just kind of tarrying. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what they have for music or if they're sitting in silence or if they're worshiping. We can guess and we can try to figure out what. We don't know what it's like. Probably right. a room similar to this. I don't, probably nothing like this back then. But anyway, people in, well, anyway. So they're in this upper room, and they're waiting for the the promise of the Spirit. 
So all of a sudden, cloven tongues like as a fire. So they see balls of fire on top, on top of each person's head that's sitting there, all 120 of them. They begin to hear a sound, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. They begin to hear a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. It goes from one side of the house to the other. There is a big sweeping of the Spirit. They start speaking in a language that they've never spoken before. Out comes this language. They're all getting filled with the Spirit. They're, they're getting overflowed with the Spirit. So they leave the upper room. They go to the street. People in the street say, these people are crazy. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're all drunk with wine. And, and it's like they've just lost their mind. We don't know where they came from. But Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2. And he says, no, 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 no. I don't know if he stands up on his balcony, off his room, off the upper room. I don't know if he stands on a pedestal. I don't know if he's just in the middle of a crowd. But enough so everyone hears him. Right. And he speaks up and everyone's murmuring, saying, these people are crazy. Right. Peter, the brave one, speaks up, yeah. says, no, 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 no. These people are not crazy. They're not drunk, as you suppose. They're not what you think. What you see. Yeah. This is awesome. This is the awesome part of the Bible. What you see was predicted by the prophet Joel over 820 years ago. And then he goes on and says, in the last days, he literally quotes Joel from 820 years ago. Joel prophesies. He says, what you're seeing right now was prophesied by the prophet Joel. He says, "In in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So Peter, he reminds this group of people that's on the street of a prophecy that was given. Now, why would they believe him? Who is this Joel guy? Because they had all heard the scriptures read in the synagogue. And it went over and over. Every week they'd go to the synagogue and they would hear these scriptures being read. So it wasn't something foreign that they heard. Peter's reminding them of what they've already heard in the scripture that was prophesied. They'd heard about this for years, ever since they were born, 820 years before. They've heard about it all their life. And so that's why they instantly believed. They were like, oh, that's the same exact thing. This craziness that we see is an infilling of the spirit. That's why we're allowed to get crazy once in a while. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, all you Pentecostals out there. Woo, glory. This scripture has jumped off the pages of the Bible to me in the past few months. I can't get this message out of my head. There is a tsunami, and I can't preach this everywhere. I can't. Everywhere I go, I've been to a lot of churches in the past little while in between ministries. Can't preach it everywhere. That's why it's kind of why I have to get the leading of the Spirit to see if it will be accepted in a certain place. You don't know what will be accepted in this morning. Uh, showing up, just I knew God laid this on my heart, and I know it is an accepted message just from your response and for your desire. But there is a tsunami. I, I can't get this message out of my head. There is a tsunami of God's presence coming to our nation. We've seen it already in Sparks. We've seen it in the Asbury Revival. We saw it when there was a, a football player months ago that died on the field. And the whole world stops and all the newscasts and all, all the people say, we need to pray for this man. We've seen sparks of revival. But there is coming a tsunami. And I just get goosebumps right up, uh, up one side and down the other of God's presence coming yeah. to our nation. I believe it so strongly. That I believe God's called us away from Canada to come back to the States because I want a part of it. 
Now, is God going to move in Canada? Of course he is. But I want, I believe it in such conviction. Yes. I don't even know how to describe it. And as a preacher, I should be able to. But I don't know how to describe, I can't put yeah. words to describe it, that there is coming such a tsunami of God's presence. You know, as I, as I hear this term, tsunami of God's presence, the only thing I can think of, and it's kind of a stupid illustration, a silly one, when our family always goes on vacation every year. We, until COVID hit, we went every single year, missed a few years there, but we'd take our kids to different spots. We'd always hit an amusement park somewhere and we'd hit a water park somewhere. So when the kids were really small, they couldn't do really the large water slides, so we'd go in the kiddie area, and, and this is a long time ago because Ryan's 20 and Haley's 19. And, and so I remember going to this water park and there's this um, children's area. And you've probably seen it, if I can describe it right. It was a big pirate ship area, and there was water coming down, and it would fill a bucket. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah. I meant to send a picture, and I forgot to. But there's a bucket that fills up. Once the bucket gets so full, it dumps over, yeah. pops back up, fills again. Well, me, I am, I am an awesome father. <laughs> so... I decide I'm going to give my kids a good time. So Ryan and Haley, Ryan's probably four years old, Haley, maybe five, I don't know, four or five years old, and Haley's four, and I think this thing looks awesome. So I'm like, I didn't see anyone under it, I didn't see what happened, but I thought it'd be a great idea to go sit under the spout where the water comes out. <laughs> so I positioned it just right, got them, the kids are all excited, they're not afraid of water at all, so they're, they're all excited and they're looking up and Ryan, I can hear him now saying, Daddy, when's it going to come, when's it going to come? And I'm, I'm like, it's, it's coming, it's coming, just hold it, it's coming. Yeah. Well, it came all right, it <laughs> fell down on us, and it came with such force that it knocked me to my knee, yeah. and you can imagine my five-year-old and four-year-old, oh didn't just knock them to their knees, it <laughs> flattened them out straight, they're bleeding from the knees and elbows. <laughs> We're running, we're running to mom, because she always carries Band-Aids, because she's a better mother than I am a father. We're running to mom, and she bandages them all up, and they're crying, and I think that, it was a horrible experience. Was, I got father of the year that year, I'm sure I did. And then it was a little bit to convince them to go back into the water because of this big force that came, but the problem I had was that I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't prepare them. I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't prepared myself. I didn't, I didn't know. But the only thing I can think of when I think of tsunami, the only kind of um, thing that I've experienced is that kind of silly illustration of the bucket that falls down on us and, and takes a, sends us for a knock because I wasn't fully prepared for it. But I believe part of our job in our next phase of ministry is to prepare the church of Jesus Christ for a wave for a wave of God's presence that we have never experienced or seen before. And I don't believe it's just for our ministry. I believe it's for New Hampshire. I believe it's for Massachusetts. I believe it's for uh, Vermont, Maine. I believe it's for every state, the United States of America. God is preparing us. And I believe that I've been sent on a mission to prepare us to make way for God to do something that he's never done before. So when I hear that a tsunami of his presence is coming. What does that mean? So I had to look up what, you know, you research a little bit of what a tsunami does. What does that mean? Because it's just not just a term. I believe it was put in my spirit for reasons. So as I look it up, I've always seen pictures on the news of tsunamis, and, but there's a few things that you can learn from a tsunami. The first thing is when a tsunami hits, 
the force of it changes everything. Right. Oh, everything. that's enough. Right there, isn't it? What once filled that space is no more. Wipes right. it clean. The old is wiped out and things are rebuilt. Right. When a tsunami hits, the old's wiped out, things have to be rebuilt. That's right. Think about this in the spiritual sense. What things look like after the tsunami is vastly different from what they look like before. It's clear to everyone, yeah, no even the ones on the outside. It's clear to everyone that there has been a change. Now, a physical tsunami brings much pain and destruction. And so it's a shame to liken a spiritual tsunami to a physical tsunami. But I do believe that a spiritual tsunami also brings death as well. I believe it brings death to ourselves, to our own wants, to our own thoughts and ideas, death to our selfish nature, death to complacency, Death, what was, what, what was is wiped away and the new springs forth. I, I won't say every time, but when I'm in prayer and I close my eyes, it's quite common for me to see, to see an actual tsunami coming. Like it, that's why I know it's a vision because it's quite common for me to see a tsunami coming. Now, every tsunami I've seen on the news, or not even on the news, we'll say on TV, which is completely real. TV's real. Does everyone know that? <laughs> like Facebook's real, TV's real, social media, you can bank on it. Man, it's, I'm being sarcastic if you don't know. So, so I've seen on the movies, when a tsunami hits, we've watched some movies with tsunamis or whatever. When a tsunami hits, what happens? People panic and they run away from the tsunami. They, they run for their lives. They try to get to the top floor. They, but when I see a tsunami coming, I, it, when I see a tsunami coming, what I see is me and my family and those that I'm in touch with. We're not running away from the tsunami. We see it coming, and we're running towards it. And it's like, in the spirit, I can see something take place. And I want that because I know whatever God has to offer is better than what I can give. I know that what God has to offer, even though it might bring some death to to my selfish nature, to some things that are inside, whatever God wants, I want. Lord, I want more. I need more. And and when I close my eyes, I can see the tsunami coming and I can see us running towards it saying, Jesus, would you baptize us with your presence? Would you envelop us with your presence? Would you surround us with your presence? It's not enough just to be complacent. It's not enough just to go through the motions. It's not enough just to come and feel a a little glimpse of his presence. Lord, I want more. I need more. Would you envelop me and baptize me with your presence like you never have before? That's our prayer this morning. And I know it is our cross point as well. God, we just want more of what you have for us. Everything you have, we want. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Whew, that will shut you up, won't it? Everyone quiets down there. Bring all the tithes. (laughs) Yeah, way to dampen that. Whew, the tsunami just left. It retreated. Just went right back in the ocean. (laughs) I want you to listen to this 
whole scripture, and we're going to focus on one part. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will... Now, I don't want to focus on the tithing part. That's your pastor's job, whatever. He can preach on that. He can not preach. I don't care. Let's just... We can't delete the Bible, but I want you to focus on just the last part of this. If you'll be obedient, because it's not just about tithing. It's about obedience. If you'll be obedient, this is what happens. Says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open, listen to this guys, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. That's what the scripture says. Try it. You know, if it was in modern language, it would say, I double dog dare you. I dare you. I just, I just dare you. I can, maybe just because my personality's a little extra. I don't know. But I, I, I dare you to be obedient. I just, if you just give me a chance, if you would just unleash, if you would just untie my hands, if you would just give me a chance, I dare you to be obedient. And he says, if you will, says the Lord of heaven's armies, not just the Lord, the whole army backs you up. And it says, I will literally, literally open the windows of heaven and I will pour you out a blessing so that there is not enough room to receive it all in. I dare you to be obedient. He has dared us in the past year my wife and I, he has just dared us. And we've just been crazy enough to say, okay, Lord, we're going to take you at your word. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust your leading. We're going to be obedient to whatever it is you call. And whatever doors open, we'll walk through it. And we have literally seen the windows of heaven open for us so that there's not even enough room to receive it. Let me, your next service doesn't start to 11. I have time to tell one story. This is just an illustration of the, the windows of heaven being open. Beginning of this year, my wife puts in her calendar. She puts in her calendar right in January. K-Love Awards, Nashville, Tennessee. 25th anniversary this year. We were 10 when we got married. And so we're <laughs> celebrating our 25th anniversary. And she just put in her calendar. And then, you know, we resigned from the church. And, and although they're giving us a good severance package and it's not enough to cover all of the the income that we're making, and so we knew that it wouldn't be possible to go to that trip. And she said, I'm just going to keep it in there. Yeah. Just keep it in there. We'll just set aside the date and whatever, not, not really fully even expecting anything to happen. Sure. Well, we've gone through some ups and downs, and, you know, Lord, is this really you? And, and believe in the Lord. And all of a sudden, a day come, I don't even know what month it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was February or March. A day came, we got this random email from a person that we knew in the community, and said, now we've never mentioned anything about K-Love Awards to anyone, not even our kids. It just was in the calendar. We hadn't mentioned it. We didn't tell the church. We didn't send out a nationwide email saying, we'd like to go to K-Love Awards if you want to bless us, you know, God bless you. We didn't send out a church-wide email, none of that. We just, it just was her and I and Jesus, and that's it. And we get this email from this lady and Facebook message, and she says, the Lord has been, I believe, has been keeping me awake for three nights now. And he's telling me to give you this amount of money. And we figured it out. And it's enough. And I, I believe that he's telling us this, but we don't know. And if it's not this, then you can use it for whatever you want. 
but we believe it's for K-Love Awards for some reason, and, and that you and your wife are supposed to go to K-Love Awards. And it was literally thousands and thousands of dollars. And five minutes later, we got an e-transfer from her bank, and she said, thank you for accepting this so that I can sleep. You talk about God. That's one of those open window things that only God can do. It's one of, and you know what it was? It was like God saying to us, and it, it, it's not even about the K-Love Awards, and it's not about the money, it's not about the people. It's, yes, that's exactly right. I've got your back. I'm concerned about the little things. I'm concerned about the big things. Don't worry about a thing. You just put your trust in me, and I'll take care of you. You know what he was saying? Because you dared to believe, because you had the dare, and you had the audacity to believe me, when all odds were against you, I'm just showing you in this one little way that I will open the windows of heaven for you. What a powerful experience. Musicians, would you, would you come back this morning? And we were able to take our daughter for her grad trip. We weren't going to be able to take her anywhere, which we always give our kids the option to go somewhere for vacation. And we were able to take her for her grad trip to Nashville. That was her, the one that's going to Faith Bible College. And, and that was her, she just loves music. And it just was so powerful. I'm telling you folks that it's time to brace yourself. Because when a tsunami of his presence comes, it changes everything. Changes everything. Could we all stand this morning? I want, God, God just wants you to know this morning it's coming. It's coming. It's, it's already come in small spurts. And this morning we experienced a, a, a measure of his presence. And thank God for it because not every church does. But it's coming. It's just a small portion of what he has for you. It's just a little bit. And he says, if you'll just dare to be obedient and trust me in those things that I'm trying to speak to you. And I just want you to say, God, I, Pastor Freddie's mentioned it several times this morning. We just stand here surrendered. And that's all he asks. God, we surrender this morning. If you're comfortable, would you lift up your hands this morning and simply say, Jesus, we surrender. I'm ready for your presence. I might not have been ready for the bucket when it came down on me, but I'm ready now. I'm bracing myself because it's coming. And God, prepare us to do what you want us to do. Prepare us to be that vessel. Lord, I pray that every single person that's here would surrender their wants, that would surrender their desires, that would surrender every part of themselves and say, Jesus, I'm just here for you. I'm just here for you. And God, I just want you to speak to every individual that's here this morning. And I pray for every sick body in the name of Jesus. Devil, we serve you notice. And we, we speak complete healing. Our frustration is over. Those lost loved ones, those kids that aren't serving the Lord, those parents that aren't serving the Lord, Lord, we receive it right now in the name of Jesus and accept it right now. I long for more of your presence. I feel like David this morning when he said, as a deer longs for the water by the brooks, I long for more of you. And Jesus, that's what we're here. We're reaching out to you and we're simply saying, God, we long for more of your presence, for more of your anointing, for more of your touch. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah.